What if human beings aren't just thinking things? What if we're less driven by what we believe and more pulled towards what we long for? Maybe human beings are fundamentally lovers, that we are made to love God, to desire God, to hunger for what God desires for his world. And I think that changes the way we think about discipleship because we'll have to start thinking about the power of habit. The things that we do are also doing something to us. Uh, it's good to be with you today. That was the voice of uh, James Smith, who's a professor and author uh, of a book called You Are What You Love. And that's the series that will start next week uh, as we wrap up Throwback Today. We're singing Friend of God bravely down the street from where it was written uh, <laughs> at Lakewood. Uh, and then uh, as we finish that series, kind of looking back, we're looking to the series uh, You Are What You Love, kind of what James Smith was saying there, that the things that we do do something to us that we live kind of in a culture that thinks that our, our primary function, what we really are, is our, our bodies are our vehicles for our brains, for what we think, and really what we think is the most important thing about us. And though that is important, really the Christian story, the biblical story is that our hearts, our loves, our desires, our passions, those are the things that drive us and shape us. And so you are what you love. And that, that book in particular has had a, a deep impact on me and how I think about what it means to follow Jesus. And I want to share that love with you. Uh, as we go over that book together for four weeks. And if you want to follow along, you know, I'm not exactly just like preaching through the book. The series is inspired by the book. If you want to read that book, uh, we have copies of it in the lobby you can purchase uh, on your way out today for bonus points uh, to read James Smith's book. But I really do highly recommend it to you. It's really formative for me and my faith, and we hope that you'll come back for the beginning of that series. But uh, today we're wrapping up Throwback, and it's been so, so fun. If you've been here for the past several weeks, Drew has worn his Throwback shirt every week. I love it wonderful. Uh, and so we're just really excited about the ways that we can, we can experience God's truth in our past and what he says about who we are and this kind of nostalgia and understanding of who we are in God and our own stories and kind of using these, these songs to kind of look forward to, like, are they still true? And this one today, as Amy just prayed, uh, is true, that God never lets go of us. And we sang it together and that just kind of impressed upon my heart that, that God never lets go. And in the person of Jesus, he holds on to us. And so we're hearing a story about that today from Matthew's gospel from this first century biography of Jesus' life. And we're in the 14th chapter, starting in the 22nd verse. And it says this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side where he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? 
Oh God, who never lets go of us, hold onto us in this moment. Make us aware of your presence. Draw our attention to you. Remind us over and over and over again of your goodness for us and to us. And then after that, send us forth into the world to remind others of it. Help us hold tightly to our loved ones, to our relationships, to those in our community, as a reminder of your holding on to them. Make us instruments of your peace and justice. And by this story, by this experience of you and Jesus, remind us that we have nothing to fear in you. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you've ever wanted to feel like you've done a lot of crunches without actually having to do the work of doing the crunches, uh, I highly recommend to you the TV show The Bear. Uh, it's intense. <laughs> and like we're watching it and I'm like, like gripping onto Landon's hand. Like they better cook faster. Like it's the most exciting cooking show of all time, you know? Uh, really, really intense. Uh, I will say like, you know, 18 and up, adults only, uh, just for, you know, language and stuff like that. Uh, but I love it. Uh, I've been just like really impressed with it. We had tried it a little bit uh, uh, a while ago and really didn't get into it. And then everybody has kept talking about it. And so we watched all of it and we're all caught up now. A really, really wonderful show. And again, intense. So like that movie Whiplash is just like uh, just intense experiences of people kind of colliding uh, and learning each other and growing with one another. It's about a cook in Chicago and he takes over his brother's restaurant as kind of this like hole in the wall place and then he's turning it around into like what could be like a Michelin star holding restaurant. And he's like apparently this like really gifted chef, but of course, as with anything, he's really gifted, but he's also troubled. And that's why we like him, you know? <laughs> And you're like, hey, I like that. And it's because it's a mirror. Like, you know, you see the good things in yourself. You're like, but I'm also troubled. And then like his family, chosen and unchosen family, they're also troubled. And really everyone he encounters, they have all their stuff. And there's like beautiful episodes where we like kind of see a look into these people's past and their stories. And there's one character, uh, Sydney. She admires um, um, the, the main character of the show. Uh, and in, in her admiration of him, she wants to grow and they, they, be, they become partners and they're going to open this restaurant together and she works really hard and she knows all about food. And there's this one episode, Landon was like, is this all in one day? Because it seems like she went to like 20 restaurants and she's like really just like exhaustive trying all this food. And her dad doesn't understand her obsession, doesn't understand Sydney's obsession and why she's kind of set out on this course, especially after maybe some past failures. And so he does what any good dad would do, uh, gave her a sports leadership book. <laughs> uh, and it's a book written by Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K, of uh, Duke basketball. Okay, there's always one. There's always one, you know. Uh, you know they have a divinity school too, and the graduates of there are just like that too. Uh, <laughs> we had a bishop in Arkansas, and we used to meet in this... Um, the stadium and all the seats were Duke blue and he just like mentioned it every five minutes, you know. Uh, but you know, you're proud of it, that's cool. They're great at basketball. Uh, and so uh, good for them, right? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't plan on like airing out my Duke grievances, but here we are. I've made this choice. I talked about Coach K. They're great. I've been to Cameron Indoor. It is an experience worth having, amazing. My dad's a big fan. And so uh, anyway, uh, Sydney's dad gives her this book and it's a leadership book by Coach K. And at first she's kind of dismissive of it, but then she kind of gets into it and she watches these video interviews of him and then uh, in one of the episodes, she's like, for her inspiration, she's calling out the orders. She has like a picture of Coach K and she's put all these like cute little stickers around him, like a little like icon kind of. 
Uh, and in one of the interviews she watches, this clip stood out, and I watched the whole interview yesterday. This clip stood out in which he, he talked about like how he grows the students to be better players. And he says, you change the, t- the conditions so that you can grow. You change the conditions so you get better. And he describes it, you change the conditions, you're going to fail, you're going to fall down. You, you change the boundaries of what you can do, what you think you can do, you grow. He also says, this is a, one of those really inspiring, like put it on a poster with like a, like a dog jumping for a Frisbee. And it's like, failure is never a destination, you know? <laughs> Uh, that, it, that you, you set the boundaries wider, that, that that's where you grow into them, into those boundaries. And I've been thinking about that concept a lot this week, about the difference between a cause and a condition. Like the conditions we find ourselves in. If you've been here the past few weeks, you know that's kind of been like my drumbeat, what I've been hammering home, is like no matter our conditions, God is mighty to save No matter our conditions, he's still the creator, the God of wonders beyond our galaxy. That no matter our condition, high or low, as we sang today, God is still who God is and can still save us. And I talked a lot about focusing on, like, we know our condition. And where I think you never let go kind of lands us today is thinking about this idea between the cause and the condition, the cause of our deliverance of our freedom, the cause of our change, then the conditions we find ourselves in are not just the ones that externally happen to us, but the conditions we set ourselves in. Like by coming to church this morning, you've put yourself in a particular condition that hopefully that you leave this place inspired and, and refueled and re-energized to live the rest of your week. You put yourself in that condition, and otherwise, if you hadn't, the cause of the music or of coming to the table or of hearing the sermon, you wouldn't have encountered it. Because again, there's a difference between a cause and a condition. Edmund Steinle is this uh, old Lutheran pastor, and he kind of describes it this way with a really simple illustration of two people who go to the doctor with the same condition, the same sickness, and the doctor gives them the same treatment, the same advice, and one is moved by and compelled by and believes the doctor, and so he takes the medicine and he does the treatment, and he's healed. The other person is suspicious of the doctor, and so he doesn't take the medicine. And we wouldn't say then that the, for the first guy that his going to the doctor healed him. We'd say the doctor and the doctor's advice healed him, but he put himself in the condition to believe, to be confident in, to look at the doctor and say, I'm going to trust this expert on this to be healed. There's a difference between cause and condition. It, it happens too when we think about a person's guilt uh, in a crime or an accident. You know, the conditions were the weather was this way, so that's why I wrecked the car but the cause may have been that you're driving too fast in the driving condition, in the weather conditions. There's a difference between a cause and a condition. It was my wife's birthday this weekend, uh, and I didn't cause us to celebrate her birthday, but we set the conditions to celebrate it. Her parents were the cause of the celebration, and the condition now we find ourselves, and we set ourselves in it. And we see this in the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament, that a person's faith doesn't save them. A person's faith doesn't do the miracle that Jesus does. Jesus is the cause. Jesus performs the miracle, but the condition of going to Jesus, of pleading, of being dependent, of falling on your knees, your faith, your, your yielding, your surrendering to God, that's the condition you set yourself in for them to encounter the cause. And a simple way of putting it is, but for this, this would not have happened. But for my going to the doctor, I wouldn't have been healed. But for going to Jesus, I wouldn't have been set free. But, but for Landon's mom giving birth to her all those many nondescript, totally unspecific years ago. 
But for that, we wouldn't have celebrated Lamb's birthday this weekend. So when we think about that difference between cause and condition, if you kind of have your hands around it now, thinking about a doctor or a person's birthday or an accident, you're thinking like Matthew's first readers and hearers in the Gospels. This idea, this, this concept, this, this collision between cause and condition. Because for them, their story, as Stanley Howarwas puts it, the story they had before they knew, and he, dang it, Stanley Howarwas teaches at Duke. <sighs> The story you thought, somebody else said this, the story you, you thought you had before you had no story. This is their story in the Old Testament. I'm gonna read some passages from the story that they believed about who they were and who God was in the creation story <clears throat> and in Job and in the Exodus and Job. Uh, Job is in this condition of having lost everything. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, God says, or walked on the recesses of the deep? saying God about himself, I have. I was there, I created all things. Or in the prophet Habakkuk, you trampled the sea, speaking of God, with your horses, churning the mighty waters. In those conditions, in the mighty waters, in the chaos of human experience, God caused people to be delivered from it. Or in the Psalms, the people that prayed these mighty prayers, more majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, more majestic than the waves of the sea, more majestic than these conditions, majestic on high is the Lord the cause, the one that, that, that can deliver you from the chaos of the world. Or in the Exodus story, God said to Moses, I am who I am. God putting himself in the condition to encounter God in the burning bush. I am who I am. And he said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Or in Isaiah, this prophet who's speaking these words to these people who are in exile, who are far from their own country, far from safety, far from security. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Again in Isaiah, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, do not fear. I will help you. All of this in the background then of this story we just now heard, these Jewish believers who see this man, who they think he's a ghost, walking out on the water. They're in the condition of being in a boat, in a storm. They've set themselves out this way, and Jesus is there. And then the cause of their deliverance, the cause of their safety and security, the cause then of their worship, they worship him. Truly, you are the son of God, is Jesus. So all in the background is like, he's associated then with this God who, who tramples over the waters. This God who in the burning bush says, I am, it's me, then says to them in the person of Jesus, don't be afraid, it's me. <laughs> I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm stepping out on the waters, it's me, don't worry, don't be afraid. The same God who delivered their ancestors out of slavery and bondage in Egypt and parted the waters, then walks on the water and then invites them out onto it in safety and security, it's me. This same God who created by sweeping a spirit over the face of the waters then walks on it in human form and says, come on out with me. And even in, in falling in the condition of, of looking to the left or to the right or being distracted by the waves or by the wind, falls in the water and Jesus reaches out and grabs. And but for Jesus, he would have sank and drowned. But for him, the condition of him walking on the water, but then the cause of his salvation, the cause of his freedom, the cause of his safety, the cause of then his worship is Jesus. But for Jesus, he would have sank. I think 
we sing this song together and we then put our minds into the minds of the early readers of Matthew and then we read John's gospel who, who talks about Jesus as one who says, you know, I hold the people you gave me in my hand and no one can deliver them from my hand. I never let go in this storm. I never let go. People feel insecure. I give them security in me. No matter their conditions, self-imposed or externally imposed, I hold on and I never let go. It can't loosen my grip. You can loosen yours, but I can't loosen mine. <laughs> you can't deliver from my hand. You can't take from my hand. I, I hold you. The same one who did all of those things, the same one whose, whose history is in Genesis and Exodus and Job and Isaiah, that same God in the person of Jesus says, I'm still holding on and I didn't ever let go and I'm not letting go now and I won't let go. I'll never let go. What I've been wrestling this week with is this question, this kind of, this kind of thought experiment is what would I be able to do? What would you be able to do? What would this community be able to do? What would the church with a capital C be able to do if we truly knew and believed that Jesus never let go? If we truly believed that we could you know, act without ultimate failure, and we could find ourselves secure in who God says we are and he holds on and he's like, ah, uh, because you did that, I'm gonna let one finger go. I'm gonna loosen my grip a little bit. What, 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 what could we do? What could we believe? What we could do for someone else? What we could do for the city? What we could do for our neighbors who are hurting, who are in pain, who are longing for community and longing for a neighbor and longing for a friend and kindness and they're longing for refuge? What could we do if we knew that Jesus never let go? From a personal standpoint, what, what would I do as a pastor or just as a follower of Jesus, as a husband or a friend, as a son, if I knew that Jesus never let go? Here's what it might mean. It, it might mean that I would never believe again that I'm less than God who says I am. I would never then believe that I'm not worth being loved or seen or valued then it would be worth, as one of our core values is daring, then it would be worth the risk of sharing this good news with somebody else. Like, hey, there's someone who'll never let go of you. In fact, he's already holding on to you and he's never let go of you ever since you were created and he never will let go. If I truly knew that, I, 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 I couldn't help but sharing it, but I know that I sometimes don't believe in it, so I don't always share it in my, in my deeds or in my words. I, I don't always share this good news that Jesus never lets go. And as a community, if we truly believed and knew that Jesus never let go of us, we wouldn't get so hung up on the minutia or the impressing people or, or trying to make things a certain way because of our own preference. We would do things that we knew that God was calling us to be, to, to step out into our neighborhood and to step out into our city and into our world and invite people in, not for our own sake, but for his sake. Or in other words, to really set the conditions so that people could encounter the cause that we could set this table, this condition, that other people would experience the grace that it offers. We could set the conditions of this place to sing without embarrassment, <laughs> without any, any reservation, to set those conditions so we can counter the cause, the one who we're singing about. That we could come to this place and, and no matter your background or where you're from or who you are or where you're going or what you believe or don't believe, we could say, there is one who never lets go and he's the cause of your freedom, of your salvation of your ability to love, to be in community, to care for one another, to be charitable, to just ruthlessly give of yourself to the world and set the condition for this place for us to be able to do that. I was trying to think of like a really 
concrete way of describing this, what it means that Jesus never lets go, because it does kind of seem woo-woo and nebulous. It seems like something you might just say to someone that was like maybe a platitude that's not very helpful and a hard time in their life. Like, well, you know, Jesus never lets go of you. <laughs> it's hard to believe, it is stated that simply, but the, the concrete thing that came to mind this week is uh, my nephew Hudson, who it's hard to believe he's gonna be eight this September. Uh, and so when he was a little smaller, uh, and not as good at speaking the English language, uh, he would reach up because he knew, I was the fun uncle, that I would pick him up and swing him around dangerously. <laughs> uh, and he really, really liked it. And I liked it the first hundred times. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's like, Uncle Colin's tired and is gonna throw up, <laughs> you know? Uh, spinning around and around. And like, you know, my sister, Caitlin, his mom is like, you know, make sure there's no furniture around. These are how, you know, uncle-nephew accidents happen, but he's fine. But I would pick him up, and I'd spin around, and I'd spin around, and I would kind of be this joke. He'd come up to me and put up his hands, and I'd say, oh, do you want to look around? And he'd be like, yeah. So I'd pick him up, and he'd grab, like, really tight on my neck. And the faster I spun, the tighter he gripped. <laughs> and then after a while, instead of me saying, Hudson, do you want to look around? He would look up, and he'd say, Wookie wound. <laughs> and I think then by the influence of his mom, my sister, he would say, hold on tight. <laughs> and I would just spin Hudson, spin Hudson, spin Hudson. That amount of warmth amplified. That amount of security certainly amplified and perfected. That in our condition, and it does feel like this, unmoored, unanchored, spinning dangerously, gripping tight, and as it, it spins tighter, we, 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 our harder we grip tighter. And unlike Jesus, there is a condition under which I might have to let go. <laughs> but in Jesus, we, we lift our hands up and we're lifted up and we're held and we're carried securely. And as it spins harder, Jesus holds tighter and we hold tighter. And then really, it's not us that's holding us secure. It's the condition of us holding tighter that then we're aware of how tight Jesus is holding us. That in our holding Jesus tighter, we're aware of the security that we have in him. That as the world spins around us and it feels so dangerous, even if we have to let go a little bit, he never lets go. And that for us, that we invite people into a space to encounter Jesus, what we're really doing, what we're really inviting people to is not just something fun or the music is beautiful or we hear a sermon or we read scripture together. All of that is to the same end of creating the condition under which we encounter the cause, the one who holds us tightly, the one who reached out to Peter's hand and held it and never let go. The one who said, ye of little faith, not as a charge or an insult, but to say like, don't you know I'm, I've got you? Don't you know I never let go? Don't you know that even if you let go, I still have my hand on you? Don't you know that as the world spins around, as wild as it feels, as out of control as it feels, I'm still holding you? Don't you know that I'm the same God who parted the waters? Don't you know I'm the same God who walked out on the waters? Don't you know I'm the, the same God who, who saw Job in his condition and, and asked him those questions about like, you know that I was there when all this was made? That as a people, as a community, as a family, our only job, our, our simple task, our only imperative is not that we hold on, that we hold on tight, but that we acknowledge in everything that we do and that we set the conditions in everything that we do for other people to know the truth, to know the beauty, to know the love that it is that God holds on to us and never has and isn't currently and never will 
let go no matter the circumstance. I forget so often, as early as this morning, (laughs) any ounce of ego or trouble I have or worry about myself, I'm forgetting that God holds onto me so tight. And then it's okay to fail. And it's okay to mess up and it's okay to lose it a little bit. It's okay to feel unanchored and unmoored and just flying off the face of the earth because Jesus embraces us tighter than we can ever experience or imagine. He never lets go. And if that's not the best news worth sharing with the world, I don't know what is. (laughs) And if we truly, truly knew it, what could we do if we knew that Jesus held not only onto us, but to the whole world and he'll never let go. What could we do? What could we accomplish? If the, if, as Coach K says it, if the boundaries were changed, if we could think outside of just our small little box of what could be done or accomplished, what could happen if we truly knew God never let go? Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. God, we know you never let go of us. And we forget So remind us in every moment, remind us at this table, remind us in our prayers, remind us when we read your story of who you are and especially who you are in Jesus. By your spirit, make us secure in you. Help us hold on tight, not for our own accomplishment, to remind us how tightly you're holding on to us. Help us make this place, branches, a place where we just create the conditions where others experience who you are and your goodness. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.